0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. We have had some incredible discussions this month on the podcast, as we've looked at the importance of, the impact of, and the fun we can have by really enjoying and taking advantage of the opportunities we have as parents. David and I have shared a ton of information, as have September McCarthy, Todd Wilson, Diana and Kate Cockrell. And so if you've missed any of those, make sure you go back and listen to those uh, conversations now. Today, we're finishing out that series by featuring an amazing lady that I've enjoyed getting to know over the last year or so. She's truly seized the adventure with her kids as they traveled all over the world together, sought out amazing culturally appropriate literature, and so much more. Amber O'Neill Johnson is a Charlotte Mason mama of four who has authored A Place to Belong, which is a guide for families of all backgrounds to celebrate cultural heritage and embrace inclusivity in the home and beyond. I heard her speak for the first time last summer and we immediately decided to invite her to join us in Pigeon Forge this year. Her perspective and her gracious way of bringing people together is a wonderful gift. And I can't wait for you to hear from her today. The Teach Them Diligently podcast is made possible in large part through the help of our partners. So when I mention them on the show, I hope you'll check out what they have to offer and let them know you're grateful for their support. The organizations that we work with are like-minded and passionate in their mission to better equip families to serve the Lord well. Apologia is one of those organizations we highly recommend. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and of their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning textbooks serve as the teacher and are written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments throughout each course help students solidify the concepts they're learning and build a lifelong love of learning. Apologia also offers online learning through live classes, self-paced digital learning and audio and video supplements to accommodate every student's unique learning style. To learn more and shop Apologia's award winning curriculum, visit apologia.com. And now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Amber O'Neill Johnston to the podcast. Amber, it is such a pleasure to have you joining us today. Thank you so much, Leslie. I've been looking forward to it. Well, I am, um, I, I mentioned in the introduction, I so enjoyed hearing you speak last year. Um, and so I wanted, as we're going to start talking about seizing the adventure and talking about your book and all of these other things, can you give us just a little bit of insight as to who you are and maybe some of the experiences that you've had to kind of set the stage for the rest of our conversation?
1: Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, Amber O'Neill Johnston, a lot of people know me as Heritage Mom. Um, I live in Georgia with Scott and our four kiddos. They are 6, 8, 10, and 12, all about to have birthdays. And so I will be the mother of a teenager very soon. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, they've been homeschooled from the beginning, and most of our approaches have rested on um, the foundation of Charlotte Mason's philosophy for education and so literature based approach to um, all that we do. And um, from the very beginning, I was really excited about all of the things that I was reading with my children, all the great literature and the poetry and music and art and all the things. Um, But I found that we're an African-American family and I found that a lot of what we were using didn't include anything that came from or was about um, anybody black or anybody, really anybody of color at all. Um, And so I figured that I really was wholeheartedly committed to the approach, but I wanted to see it play out differently in my home. And so that was kind of the beginning of where Heritage Mom came from, this idea of bringing our heritage into the things that we do. But the more that I did it, I found that my family wasn't the only family Family that responded positively to that, every family that I spoke with, they all were telling me their stories of their heritage and their family culture and, and things like that. Um, and it was really amazing to me because it wasn't just families of color, but white families as well. And I realized that heritage is something that we all have, that we're all excited about and want to pass on to our kids. And so I kind of built my platform around that idea, and I usually share kind of how it plays out in my home with the message that um, really one of the biggest things we can bring to the table for our children is ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. What we bring and our particular flavor or um, background or experiences, those are the things that make us unique and make each homeschool unique, the things that no one can replicate or sell in a curriculum. uh, that we shouldn't shy away from that we should bring to, you know, share with our children every day. Um, and as part of that, we've incorporated world travel and lots of um, literature and films and field trips and just a bunch of adventures. So that's kind of how I got to where I am today.
0: That's that is so exciting. And I'll tell you, the thing that really God used to get my attention was I had I I would have said that I was all in on um, on the heritage that just as you were presenting that heritage but what I hadn't noticed before like literally before you said it last summer was people that look like me my heritage is all that I see it had never even dawned on me that that was a whole and so as a as a mom who we too have had the the privilege to travel around. We've tried to give our children exposure and we want them to know and love all people and to find those commonalities. And I had still never, ever taken notice of the fact that everybody, it it, it all looks the same. It all sounds the same. These stories are so, so common to me, but not necessarily others.
1: Right, yeah, I think that that was the biggest thing. And thankfully what I've, Found there are always, you know, people who are reluctant to change, but most of the time when I've been speaking and sharing and trying to spread this idea through the homeschooling community, what you just said is what I hear most often people are not resistant Mm -hmm. to the ideas I'm sharing, they just hadn't thought of them. And um, I think that that's a little bit different than maybe what we may see outside of our community, um, community of believers, and uh, community of committed families. Uh, there might be this feeling that a lot of people are very resistant. No, I don't want that. And I'm like, that's not really what I've been, yeah. been facing for the most part. It's been that most families. Um, do want their children to love all of God's creation mm-hmm. and where I see the biggest issues that were under-resourced in a lot of ways, you know, thankfully we have so many options with curricula, um, so many really good, rich and deep options to choose from. And I think that we're just far behind in terms of bringing more voices to, um, the options that we have. And so that's where I've really been working. I do some of it myself and offer those things on my website, but also working with other curriculum providers because they also want to make these changes. But it's it can't happen overnight, right? right? It's, it's something that there that a lot of people are working towards. And I think that um, in the future, the two of us will be sitting here having this conversation talking about how things used to be. And that'll um, be awesome. Yeah, it will be. It really will be.
0: Well, you know, you, again, there was, it was so impactful to hear you speak last summer. And that's why we were so adamant that we wanted you to speak in Pigeon Forge. We wanted other people to hear what you have to say. But one of the things that I really, really appreciated was you talked about the importance of yoking diversity with kinship. And so I wanted to kind of bring that up again and ask, why do you suppose that those two concepts, it's so important that they be linked?
1: Well, I think that when you start talking about having pride in your heritage and your culture, um, not just your ethnic or cultural heritage, but also your family culture, um, if you aren't thinking of those things and celebrating them with an eye towards kinship and togetherness, um, then it can cause divides. It can become divisive because you're only... you become so inwardly focused and that what was initially celebration can become isolation. Um, And when we are teaching our children, um, you know, to love themselves, um, people often stop there, but the idea is so that they understand, love your neighbor. As yourself. Mm. So for me, we're teaching our children to love themselves so that they have a point of reference because the actual instruction was to love your neighbor that same way. So I think that we, it's so good. Like, yeah, celebrate it, like, be proud of who you are. Um, let's find out and dig in and hold on to that and celebrate it. Let's share it with others, but we can't stay there. Um, biblically we can't stay there and morally we can't stay there. it's just not good for our collective communities. So that's part of, um, why I've yoked those together in my message, because I see a lot of people doing one or the other. Some people are like, oh, let's all be together. We're all the same. Um, you know, let's be colorblind and all. And I'm like, no, we're not all the same, but we are all loved and we are all created in his image. And so we can celebrate differences and still lean towards each other. And that's what I want to teach my children and what I'm hoping that other people are teaching as well.
0: Well, and not be afraid of those differences. I think that it's, it's, it kind of human nature to shy away from differences to kind of, you're so comfortable with the same, but to not be afraid of those differences, to celebrate them, learn more about them. Um, You know, I know as we have traveled, and I'm sure as you have, just seeing even the differences of people that would look like us, but live in other places. Those are great cultural differences, no matter what. It has nothing to do with the color of our skin. It has to do with our story and our background. And, And I think sometimes it's easier to celebrate those things when we're thinking of people from other places, rather than thinking of the people from other neighborhoods or down the street or whatever.
1: Right. And that's part of the uniqueness of America. Most of the places we've traveled, when we look around as we walk around towns and villages, the people are very similar um, Mm -hmm. in their shared cultures, whether it's the way that they look, but their food, their backgrounds, their cultural dress and history. But in America, we have this kind of double um, situation where we are all Americans, but we're all very diverse. And to try to separate either one can cause, as you know, as we've seen, a lot of problems. But when we teach our children, oh, no, you're both you know what I mean? Like you are, you have these differences because of your ancestors or where you come from, or even because of the region, like you said, it might not even be a racially different thing, but I was raised in the Midwest, but my children were born in Georgia. So my husband and I are Midwesterners. Our children are Southern. And let me tell you, there is a huge difference. Oh my gosh, it's huge. So there are different languages things you have to learn. People use different vocabulary (laughs) in different regions of the United States. Food is prepared differently. Um, There are different hospitals hospitality kind of rules or the way things are handled from a hospitality perspective change Mm -hmm. from region to region within the United States. So you have all these different things. So you teach your children to be proud of where they come from ancestrally, you teach them to be proud of their part of the country and to be excited about it, but also, you're also American or whatever country, you know, whoever may be listening, you also have your home nation to be proud of. And you have this culture within our broader nation, our national culture and heritage. Um, And so I think that um, I I feel like we should lean into all of that. I think all of those things serve to root our children, to tether Mm. them to time and space and and place, um, where they can see that they're part of a huge story, an epic story, really, the Mm. story of of mankind, and that they have a role in it. And I think when we situate them in those areas and allow them to feel that connection, they see an added sense of purpose um, in their own personal lives, but also they feel that tethering to all of humanity.
0: Well, it is, and it helps. It helps keep perspective right too. You don't, you can't look so much at yourself when you see yourself tethered to all of humanity and this big epic story of what God is doing. It it puts you in in your place, not in a bad way. I mean, literally you see outside of yourself. And that's been one of the things that's been so important for us as we've raised our kids is that they understand it's not all about you. And so as we open our eyes, open our arms, open our hearts to people near and far,
1: that really is an offshoot
0: of that is our kids just learning. It's not all about you.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, honestly, most Of us are on board with that. Most of us are in agreement and can stand together in that. I think sometimes we let the people who are kind of naysayers or on the fringe or whoever's grumbling the loudest to kind of make us feel hopeless in Mm. some areas. But when we really sit back and look, when I think of my day to day dealings with my friends, the people in my group, in my town, in my neighborhood, I, I feel very hopeful. And I want to kind of continue to situate my children in that hope and for us to continue to move forward. And of course, yeah, we have a lot of work. We always will, right, in this world. Until then, we're going to have a lot of work. Um, And uh, But I think that we can give our children a positive view of where they are and what they can do to help make things even better. Mm, I So true. So true. And, and it's a great privilege that we get to do
0: that, that we get to shepherd their hearts and their minds in that way, instead of allowing culture or the media or the loudest voices out there to be the ones that are impacting them like that. That's just another reason that we are so privileged for the call that God has given us to homeschool and to parent our children the way that he has.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: So we were talking a second ago about kind of this this epic story. And so I know that you talk a lot about teaching honest history, but you always say that we have a responsibility to balance the bitter with the sweet. What do
1: you mean by that? Well, I think that, you know, what I hear a lot of adults arguing about is, what we should be telling the kids. Should we tell them this? Should we tell them that or we shouldn't be telling them all about all this? I'm like, tell the kids all the things in, the, mm-hmm. in an age appropriate way. So I see it as two things. You have math, right? You don't just wait until senior year and do calculus and okay, now we're doing math. It's calculus. No, from the very beginning, we're like, count your steps. One, two, three. We have all these little rhymes. We're like, help mommy set the table. We need four more forks. And then we go addition and we do our math facts and that's and fractions and we work them all the way up. And I think that we should do the same thing with history, we should be dripping history all along that way it will be age appropriate because mm-hmm. if you're in first grade no one's wanting to express all that your senior and high school is going to get. Um, and so we drip this honest history in an age appropriate way all along so that when our children launch from our homes, they are very well-educated and well-aware, very settled in the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always tell people it's better to tell the truth about a little than to lie about a lot. Yep. So we don't need to tell them all the things at, at age five, but we need to start with something. So I think that that's um, part of it. And I think that as we're telling our children this, epic story, even when we're back, you know, starting with biblical times, you know, horrible things happened. Humans have done horrible things to yeah. each other. They've also done amazing things. And I think that a lot of times when we talk about studying history, we lead with all the horrible things. We use wars hmm. as the point of, of that and 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 deception and, and evil. And we set our history cycle against those things. And all I'm saying is that, yes, we need to tell our children about that. But at the same time, people were creating art and mm-hmm. they were lyrically putting down verse um, from the very beginning. You know, the Bible is a huge amount of poetry in it. Um, and they were making music. Um, people have been feasting from, from, from the very beginning, and food has played a role the historical nature of food. They've been living on the land, and there's nature and God's creation all around us. I think that there are other areas of history that we need to bring alongside the tragic and traumatic history Mm. in order to give our children one hope, but also truth. I mean, truth isn't just delivering the bad stuff. It's like, Hey kids, you guys really got to take out the garbage tonight. And I'd made your favorite dinner. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's (laughs) it's that um, it's a loving, the most loving way to teach history, I believe is to tell the truth about all of it, including the good parts.
0: Well, and it's also gives us such a great opportunity as parents to, to disciple. I've always found history was the best discipleship tool during my day, because we talk about the good. We talk about the bad. We talk about where things went wrong. What does God say about this? What would you do differently? We try to keep history where it's at. And I think that that's another really important thing is to to keep it where it sat so that you see what was happening around it, learn from that as well. Um, So yeah, I think that history provides us as parents one of the greatest tools for conversation, seeing what's in the heart of our kids, and also discipling them of of all of the subjects that we are privileged to teach.
1: Yeah, it's very true. And there's so much that you can do with it. Um, I think I especially love that as a homeschooler that it's not just like a dry textbook. I mean, I hated history when I was growing up. Um, who would have ever known that I'd be a <laughs> this huge proponent of it now, but we have all of these really amazing books and we have documentaries and films and just amazing um, field trips. I mean, we have tickets, we're on vacation right now. We have tickets to visit, Um, Andrew Jackson's Hermitage on Friday, and we're taking a tour there. I mean, they're just all of these different things. We'll be taking a tour of the life of the enslaved people there um, on the property. And I just think that... um, With all of these things at our fingertips to help bring history alive for our children, that we can show them the delight in learning about the past and how it could impact the present and um, to kind of give legs to some of our other subjects, geography and other parts of literature. I mean, it's hard to enjoy Jane Austen when you know nothing of the time, right? (laughs) So it's related to everything that we do. Um, So yeah, I think that it's, it gets me excited.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. I do too. That's, that's, Probably the, the, the subject that I could just go on and on and on and on and on talking about because it's so versatile, like you were noting. We can, we can tie it into so many things. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned, and this plays right into it, that you mentioned when I first heard you is you talked about the concept of books as mirrors and windows. Again, really kind of blew me away because I had never thought of it in that construct at all, not even close. And so can you explain to everyone what you mean by mirrors and windows and, and why you kind of started, started looking at the world that way?
1: Yeah, so books as mirrors or literary mirrors are books where children can see themselves, their families or communities reflected um, in what they're reading when they are reading that book and they recognize these kind of bits and pieces of themselves. And a lot of the ways that I talk about it, I talk about it from an ethnic or cultural perspective because that's what was missing in our home. Um, But it also can relate to children who have learning differences or disabilities who you know, whose parents have passed, being raised by grandma, um, blended families, all kinds of different ways where children feel different and therefore left out of of any type of literature. And so um, this idea of mirrors is really compelling to me because um, a turning point in our homeschool was when my daughter told me that um, we were, it was a longer story, but basically she essentially said that black people didn't really know how to do much. And I was shocked. And I said, why would you say that? And she said, because you said that we study important people in school and we only study white people. And that was crushing for me. That was crushing. And, um, you know, her blunt honesty, I wanted to deny it. If anyone else had said it, I'd be like, that's not true, you know, but I had to (laughs) sit with that because it was true. Um, And I worked really hard to change that. And this idea of having books as mirrors and how important it was, um, it wasn't so much that what the books we were reading, it wasn't what they were saying. It's what it was the books we weren't reading. It was the Mm. silence that gave that communicated to her. And I wasn't thinking of the silence. I was only thinking of the messages of what I'm reading aloud. Um, So then Mm-hmm. Carrying that same idea into books as windows, those are books where children can see other people, how they live, their experiences, and those books are critical. Um, again, or your, your child, you're not looking to create this world where they only see themselves in everything. Um, but you're balancing it with their oppor- with an opportunity for them to read about people they may never meet or with people that are their neighbors. Um, and it's really important with windows, not to just rely on a single story because you don't want your child to Uh, read a book about a boy in a wheelchair or a boy from Thailand and be like, oh, that's how people in wheelchairs are, or that's how they see the world. Well, no, of course, that was only a single story. Um, Or all people from Thailand are not like that, you know. And so as you think of an entire childhood of reading these different perspectives and all of these different windows that your children will encounter, they'll be able to start seeing and situating themselves into the world, start making connections with like, hey, I noticed that a lot of families celebrate with food. Mm. Um, I noticed that a lot of families use music and that's important to them. And that's similar to my family. They start seeing these these things that we all have in common, Mm. even if we have a different way of singing our songs or a different plate of food that we would set down. Um, And so they start assimilating these differences and, and similarities. And it makes for a really rich understanding of the tapestry of people. So thinking of books as mirrors and windows was just critically eye-opening for me. And I've worked really hard to spread that through the homeschooling community, because I think that it helps people understand. And they're like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. I'm on Mm -hmm. board with that, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it. it, I, I just keep coming back to how many things that you noted that were just really revolutionary for the way that I was thinking, because it 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 challenged me not that it went against what i would have always said that i thought but it challenged me wait you're not even thinking this so yeah. you know that was the that was the real wake up call so i want you to tell us about your book you've written a place to belong and i would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that and kind of why why did you call it that what goes into to the thought process behind this new book
1: okay so i wanted to create a book that was something that would bring people together instead of something that was divisive. Hmm. And, uh, but I did want to talk about cultural, you know, richness and ethnicity and race and family culture, um, just within our own families. And I wanted to talk about all of those things, but I'm like, if I start talking about all those things, how can I call people to the table though, rather than having people like back away? And I said, I think that um, I want, I have to be radically honest in the book where I'm um, sharing the, issues and mistakes that I've made with my own family, because then I'm approaching it from a parent, not pointing a finger like you should do this, or how could you not be doing this? But to start out saying, Hey guys, I get it. Cause actually I was doing it that way, too." (laughs) but let me tell you, you know, about this other way. And so that was kind of where I situated. The other premise of the book was that, um, despite all the differences that we may have, we all love our children And we all want the best for our communities. And I feel that I wanted to write a book that was grounded in those two things and leaving other things uh, that could be argued and all that for, for another day, another time. Let's just focus on the fact that we all love our children and we want the best for our communities. And what would that look like if we were to come together and stand in solidarity on those two facts? Um, And so the book blossoms out from there. And I basically go through every area of the home environment and talk about how we can create a place for our children to belong, a place where our children um, know that um, we see them and that we love what we see. And then in the last part of the book, it starts talking about how we can take this idea philosophy of this type of life-giving home and extend it beyond the four walls out into our communities and our world um, in an authentic way. That was also very important to me. A lot of the things I said online, it's like, do this or do that. It feels very forced and kind of artificial And it's, it goes against everything, the style that we have typically as homeschoolers of how we like to communicate lessons and ideas to our children. Mm. And so I'm like, this is no different. I don't want to be like, so kids, you know, like (laughs) there are these people, they're called this, and here's what you should think about them. But no, just read the poetry. We read poetry that's written by lots of different people. Just read the Mm. books um just listen and gaze upon the beautiful art that you're going to make sure lots of different artists created it so that our children aren't having an education of pulling out all the otherness but that they're just having a rich education in a natural way and I hadn't seen any books or anybody writing about that in that natural home-based um kind of way and so that's that's what I did
0: well, and I love, I, I just love in everything that you say, there is this sense of togetherness. There is this sense of of what what we are alike, and then enjoying, celebrating all the ways that we are different, get to know all the ways that we are different. and in in a culture that is so racially charged, I, I think in a lot of ways, that it is it's a stirred up racially charged. I think that when we actually talk, I mean i I find, I don't see that as I walk around. We're people as I walk around. You know, we're talking to one another, just enjoying being together as I walk around. But but I wondered when you first started talking about these things, when you first started bringing it up, was there a concern in you about how it would be received
1: because of the narrative all around us? Oh, definitely. And there have still been people to this day who before I can even speak a word, they're like, no. And I'm like, wow, can I just tell you this perspective cuz you may not have heard it they're like no and so i'm like okay those are not those are not my people right now right. Maybe they'll come <laughs> around later but for the most part i think that um i i agreed when i kind of became like going public with all of this, I guess you would say, um, creating a platform and talking about it professionally and all I committed that I would never let something cross my lips that wasn't grounded in what I feel that God wants for us as his people. And so I put that first. And then the other thoughts that I had and wanted to share fall under that. And because of that order of how I choose to speak and write, I find that, um, I'm able to attract a lot of people that may not otherwise listen to messages like this because they trust me Um, and they know that I don't have like another agenda or anything and I can reach them from the heart of a parent. Mm -hmm. And I think also I've put in my time, like I've been here, like I've been part of a part of this community for years and years and I've poured into it and kind of added legitimacy to... The work that I've done. Um, But yeah, I think that when you are before you let words come out of your mouth, if you pray about it and you ask God not to let you ever say anything that would go against his will, Hmm. then you can talk about racial things or ethnic things or cultural things because of where you are coming from. Um, So that's been working for me so far.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think that that really encapsulates why. I I think why the Lord knit my heart to to your message and to you in particular, because it was very evident that it was bathed in prayer, that this was this was something coming from a heart of one who loves God first and foremost, loves people because of that love for God that just kind of covers everything else. And and you can see that. I think that God is truly using that heart. And we see it over and over when we when we, open ourselves up to serve him in whatever way he calls us to do, whether it's scary or whether it seems easy at the time, he is the one that gives the increase. He is the one that blesses that message or that platform or whatever it is. And he's the one then that can get the glory through it. And, and I really, I would, I would have to say that you truly exemplify that in the way that you speak and, and just your heart in all of this.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's like the highest compliments. To me as well. And I just, you know, I pray that he continues to use me in that way as long as, you know, he feels that I'm serving in, in the way that he'd like.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, I do too. I think it's so important. We are almost out of time, but I wanted to kind of double back around to something that we kind of alluded to earlier. You mentioned in your book about your all's love of global travel and world schooling, like I think you call it. So, what is it about world schooling that appeals to you? And do you guys have any big
1: adventures coming up soon? Okay. Yeah. So what appeals to us um, most is that we can remove our children from just this one space, uh, the United States of America, and situate them for long periods of time. We usually try to be gone for about three months Hmm. um, and allow them to see how other, intimately see how other people live. And the messages that we're hoping that they'll take away is that um, there's more than one way to do things, that um, God has his hand all over the entire world, not just the place where we happen to call home, also how great the place we happen to call yeah. home is, um, and how blessed they are to be here, that they never take that for granted. Um, and another message that has been very important for us is for them to understand that this kind of black and white dichotomy in the United States is not a personal thing, that yeah. this is you know, the story of the fallen story of man, you know, and that no matter where you go in the world, you will have enmity between people. And it has nothing at all to do with you, my baby, you know, I. this is not about you, my darling, like, look around you. We're here in this other country. There aren't even any black people here. That's why everyone's staring at us. (laughs) There are these opposing forces within humans, right? This is what we This is what we do, unfortunately, and that has been a really important message for me um, in terms of raising children who um, don't take these things personally and that they understand um, what's really happening when we look at this from a a an honest truth truth with a capital T what's really happening here in America and elsewhere Um, and so yes our next big trip we are leaving in October for the rest of the year we'll come home right before Christmas and um, we're going to stop through a few places in Europe to try to make up for a trip we were in Europe when COVID hit and we didn't get to go to all our places Um, and then though for most over two months for most of the time we'll be in Ghana And so, yeah, we've never been on the continent of Africa Mm -hmm. and it's really exciting for us because although we don't know where our ancestors are from, they're most likely right from West Africa and thought that we could go there perhaps where our ancestors are from and learn and grow and experience the world there. And, you know, we do school somewhere else. That's where the world schooling idea comes in.
0: Well, and it's so Awesome that we have the flexibility to do that, um, and and yeah, as you were talking, I'm like that's a whole nother. Pot. I just want to have you come on and talk about that. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll do that after you get back, and you can tell us about your trip to Ghana. Um amazingly, I started getting messages from some people who, when you were stuck, were you in Greece or where were you all stuck? Yes, I was in Greece. I started getting messages about this lady and her kids who were stuck in Greece and they couldn't get out and they world school and they do all this and, and just pray for them, pray for them. So I prayed for you, not knowing who in the world you were during that whole time. So I just I feel like It's such a small world, especially in the kingdom of God, and we have such kinship with one another, and he makes our paths cross in such amazing ways that all of that needs to be celebrated. So tell us before we go how everyone can get in touch with you, where they can find your book, uh, what other resources you have that they can take advantage of, and that kind of thing.
1: Okay, well, I live at heritagemom.com and on social media, Instagram and Facebook at HeritageMomblog. Uh, My book can be found at a place to belong book dot com and it can be purchased everywhere books are available and um i mostly have a lot of free resources on my website and different blog posts and there are book recommendations for days and days and days a lot (laughs) of history books broken out history book black history book recommendations broken out by time period um since many of us plan in that way um and then i also sell heritage packs which are topical literature based um um add-ons, like for people who love the curriculum they're using, but realize that it's missing black and brown voices, they can add on a heritage pack. So that's, that's what I offer. Well, that is
0: awesome. And we will be sure to link all of those in the show notes. So um, if you didn't quite get it as she was going through it, just go to the show notes. We will have those links. there. really easy for you. So Amber, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fun, but it's, it's so not only informational, but inspirational to think think new, to think about these things in a whole new way. So thank you for opening our eyes to that. Thank you for having me. I, I can't wait to be back. Sounds good. Well, and everybody else, thank you for hanging out with us. I am sure that this has been challenging and encouraging for you. And so I, I just really do encourage you to go get the links from the show notes. Go check out all that Amber has to offer. Get your own copy of A Place to Belong um, and then dive in and see what God will do with those upgraded conversations, the new awareness, the way that you see the world a little bit differently after this conversation. So have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently, so we're here to help